3: Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme with John O'Connor. Later in the programme, Minister Martin Hayden welcomes the reopening of the Chinese market for Irish beef imports. Dairy Gold Tillage Conference takes place on Friday 13th of January at the Conference Centre for Moy. Mr Liam Leahy, Dairy Gold Tillage Business Manager, has more on the conference. Dr Anne Finnegan on some important changes facing Irish farmers. As implementation of the new CAP program gets underway, Dairy Gold elects new chairman. Dairy Gold Cooperative Society Limited on 4th of January 2023 announced that Mr. Sean O'Brien had been elected as its new chairman. Mr. O'Brien succeeds Mr. John O'Gorman, who served as chairman of this society for the past five years and recently stepped down, having served the maximum term permitted on the Dairy Gold board. Mr O'Brien from Middleton, County Cork, was elected to the Dairy Gold Board in December 2020 and has been a member of the Dairy Gold East Cork Regional Committee since 2005 and the Dairy Gold General Committee since 2010. Speaking after his election as chairman, Mr O'Brien said, he was honoured to have been elected to serve as chairman of Dairy Gold. Deriry Gold he pointed out was an outstanding cooperative with a true commitment to its member shareholders. He was grateful to the board for the confidence and trust they'd shown in him and to the members who'd supported him over many years. Mr. O'Brien said he looked forward to working closely with the board, the chief executive officer, Mr. Connor Galvin, staff, and Derry Gold's members. Mr O'Brien said he'd also like to pay tribute to his predecessor, Mr John O'Gorman, who'd served as Chairman of the Society with great leadership and stewardship over the past five years. Mr O'Brien noted, Dairy Gold has had a remarkable period of growth and development, which has supported members to realise their on-farm ambitions. He looked forward to working together with the Board and Management of Dairy Gold to contribute to Dairy Gold's continued success. Mr. O'Brien is married to Bernadette, and they have six children. Mr. O'Brien, a Nuffield scholar, holds a diploma in corporate direction, food business, a business degree from University College Cork, and he recently completed the Dairy Gold Sustainability Training Programme. The position of Vice Chairman will be filled at the next meeting of the Dairy Gold Board. Details there regarding the election of Mr. Sean O'Brien from Middleton, as the new chairman of the Dairy Gold Cooperative Society. Irish farmers must get a dividend from the resumption of Irish beef exports to China. ICSA National Beef Chair, Mr Edmund Graham, said the resumption of beef exports to China is welcome, but he stressed that farmers must see a dividend as a result. He said there had been much optimism about the initial opening of the Chinese market back in 2018, and there will be optimism again now for the Chinese market, but it's all of no use to the farmers if they don't see a result in terms of a price rise. IFA President Mr Tim Cullen has welcomed the announcement by the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnelogue, that the Chinese market is reopening for Irish beef. Mr Cullen said the reopening of the Chinese market, after a lot of hard work, presents the beef sector with a huge opportunity in what was a market showing strong growth potential before the suspension of access back in May 2020. The IFA president said, the full value of the Chinese beef market must now be developed. Commenting on the reopening of the Chinese markets to Irish beef, the president of the Irish Creamery Milk Supplier Association, ICMSA, Ms. Fappacomarka, said, much credit was due to the Minister for Agriculture, Mr and his officials, for their perseverance and application in the face of what the ICMSA president said had always been a disappointing decision on the part of the Chinese authorities to close the market to Irish exports. Mr McCormack said, While we sincerely congratulate Minister McConneloog, Minister of State Martin Hayden, and Ambassador Derman on their work and achievements, the job, he contended, was only half done. Mr McCormack said... Unless the farmers get a better price for their beef to a degree that makes it feasible to produce that beef, this whole project would remain just a positive PR spin as opposed to meaningful development. Mr. McCormack said, ensuring that happens is no less the business of government than were the negotiations with the Chinese government officials, which had been successfully carried out. And later in the programme, we speak to Minister of State Martin Hayden regarding the reopening of the Chinese market to Irish beef. And also we talk about safety in 2023, looking back on some tragic deaths in 2022. Bantry Bear Fine District say they'll hold an event entitled Rural Roadmap to 2030. The venue will be West Lodge Hotel in Bantry. It starts 7 o'clock on Friday. Thirteenth of January, in attendance will be the following public representatives: Minister Heather Humphreys, Senator Tim Lombard, Deirdre Clune MEP, Senator Maria Byrne, and other industry experts. It's understood that Mr. T. J. O'Sullivan, former chairperson of both Green and Carberry, will be speaking too, and that's the Bantry Beara Finaghy District organised event entitled "Rural Roadmap to 2030." Venue. West Lodge Hotel, 13th of January, Friday 13th of January, 7pm, West Lodge Hotel. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, Minister of State Martin Hayden. First of all, Minister, welcome to the programme. As we speak, some very good news regarding access again to the Chinese market for Irish beef following a 2020 ban. Would you please confirm the good news and a few words about the background to this, what is now regarded as great news altogether.
4: Thank you very much, John, and uh, Happy New Year to you and all of your listeners. Um, It is fantastic news that we have. We can confirm that we have regained access for Irish beef to the Chinese market after two and a half years of events um, since an atypical BSE case happened in Ireland back in May 2020. And just to remind your listeners, there are two types of BSE. Um, There is the classical BSE that can um, happen from a feed ration, and then there's an atypical case that happens sporadically in all cattle populations at a very low rate um, and is not considered a public health risk in any way. Um, When that happened, as part of a protocol with the Chinese, We notified them um, of it. Uh, The access ceased for what we hoped was a short while. Um, But we've had a lot of diplomatic uh, engagement and a lot of of, um, contact with our market access team and our officials in Beijing. And eventually, uh, after longer than we would have liked, we are back into that market. A market that is potentially hugely valuable for Irish beef farmers and for the industry and for the Irish economy in general such as the importance um, of the beef sector to our rural economy. Um, Just to put that in context, in 2019, when we'd only gained initial access in April 2018, in the year 2019, we saw uh, beef exports to China worth €96 million, which is half of all of our markets outside of the EU and the UK, which remain our two main markets for beef. So that was the kind of momentum we were able to build in a very short period of time. We still have those contacts. The Borbia team in Shanghai are ready to go, and I look forward to working now as Minister with Responsibility for New Market Development with the industry uh, and with all our partners and with our embassy out in Beijing as well to make sure we hit the ground running, build on those contacts that we have and build that momentum again to the benefit of Irish beef farmers and the, and the industry um, and all the jobs that are involved there across rural Ireland.
3: And I understand, Minister Hayden, this cow, this... A typical BSE case was detected by the Department of Agriculture's own BSE surveillance programme in a 14-year-old cow. Is that correct?
4: That's correct, yes. And, you know, I, I would think it was uh, maybe a badge of honour that we found it that our systems, our tracing systems are very good. Uh, and, you know, I would say that it probably took longer than we would have liked uh, to get access back. It is a real vote of confidence. Um, you know, In the intervening time, Ireland's um, health status by the World uh, Animal Health Organization uh, has moved to a negligible, the, the best uh, health status you can have in terms of risk of BSE. So we're in a very good place, and that is uh, another vote of confidence here today. And we now have access to a market that is a very high-value market, um, that is a very vote of confidence uh, in us, in our world-class grass-fed beef system.
3: Should this development, in theory at least, and hopefully in practical terms, should it mean far better prices for Irish cattle in factories and at the marts? Because we often hear lack of competition, you know, if it wasn't for the live trade, etc. But should this mean more for the farmers, the IFA, ICSA, ICFSA? They're all saying, now look, great news, but we must be paid for our efforts.
4: Uh, I agreed. I'm a beef farmer myself, uh, outside of the politics, born and bred here in South Kildare. And uh, I, I get that. But what I would say to you was when we had access for China, we had beef processors who paid a premium to farmers, who delivered the exact specifications that the Chinese uh, customers were looking for. We export frozen boneless beef from animals under 30 years of age. Um, we had over 20 plants and coal stores registered for export to China right across the country. Um, some of them might need to be re-registered, but that's a pretty straightforward process. But um, absolutely, the whole idea of this is about increasing options, increasing options for processors um, and, you know, giving more options in terms of customers that allows them to then get the best price and the best price uh, feedback it allows them then to give a better price back to uh, the farmers. So sometimes farmers feel um, two steps removed from this process and that, you know, it may not make any difference to them and might make some middle person uh, wealthier, but that's not how it works. How it works is that from a policy perspective, we increase, we continuously work to increase market access and give our um, industry the most amount of market options available to them. And then those who pay the most get the most. And these are high value markets. And also the timing of this in China. And, you know, we know China has been through, uh, as they all have been, uh, a very rough time in terms of COVID. Their economy is only opening back up now. People are only getting back to live their lives a little bit more normally in China right now. And that means the food service industry is about to take off in China again after a couple of years of being completely flatlining their demand uh, for beef. And previously when we sold beef, the majority of it was through the food service industry. So again, that opportunity is there for us. So I'm not saying all the streets are paved with gold and it'll make a massive difference tomorrow, but it is a very important strategic move for us. And it gives us a great opportunity to build back up that momentum that I believe we can do very quickly and we're well placed to do that with the top quality Irish beef that our farmers are producing
3: We could sum it up by saying at least there has to be greater potential there now for Irish beef producers, including yourself.
4: The potential, absolutely. Look, it just stands to reason. The more markets that we have access to, and I and my market access team in the department, we continue to work with our agricultural attaches around the world. Uh, You know, we have other key markets that we're focusing on, like South Korea, where we're making progress. Um, And again, another very big market that we would hope to get access to being part of the EU and the EU trade deals that open up uh, a lot of opportunities for us as well in different uh, parts of the world so the more options you have of high value markets, the, the more opportunities and the more ability there is then for Irish beef to pick and choose the best markets that uh, give the greatest return for our farmers and that's what we're uh, looking to do is to increase those opportunities all the time and definitely you're right when you say it, it increases the potential there but it also strengthens the hand um, of the sellers of Irish beef to be able to get the best price for uh, um, a product.
3: Borbia offices in China, and did they play a role?
4: So Borbia's role is very much from here on in, in terms of promotion. We do have a Borbia office in Shanghai, and they have a really important role to play. um, And they have been continuously working, but, I I suppose the diplomatic efforts have been more through the embassy. Ambassador Anne Derwin, our agriculture, Natasha, Mary McMahon, and all the team in Beijing have been working really closely with what's called the GAC, um, the General Affairs Committee of the Chinese, who make the decision about regaining market access. Borby's role is very much on the promotion now, on opening the doors, and we will have a trade mission all going well in terms of COVID. We will visit China later this year with Irish industry. Um, And, you know, only last month, Borbia launched a three-year, 1.3 million euro EU beef and lamb promotion to promote the safety, sustainability and natural values of beef and lamb to the Chinese consumers and customers. And this campaign will intensify in the months ahead and will run until May 2024. So, you know, throughout the suspension period, its office in Shanghai has been working hard to maintain the strong trade relationships that Ireland's customer base had with China. So Borbia had really hard work to do. They had to keep talking to customers even though they couldn't sell them the beef produce but it was really important that we maintain those relationships so that we can now hit the ground running. We knew that they would come, we had hoped it would come a little bit sooner um, but Barbea is ready now to activate the Irish Beef Relaunch Campaign which will include trade seminars, chef demonstrations, media influencer activity to ensure all potential opportunities are explored in addition to working with the wider industry. Uh, it will also participate in two high profile meat trade shows the China International Meat Industry Exhibition, uh, which is scheduled to take place in April, and Seattle, China, which takes place in May, which provides the perfect opportunity to showcase Irish beef as well.
3: Minister of State Martin Hayden, I know you have a very deep personal interest in farm safety. Now, can you make any comment on farm safety? The tragic figures of the year just are going, and is farm safety very much to the fore in the department and indeed in your own plans this year, 2023?
4: Uh, it absolutely is, John. I'm delighted to have been reappointed by the Taoiseach as Minister of State and Department of Agriculture with special responsibility for farm safety. Um, unfortunately, the CSO figures that came out at the end of 2022 show all the 26 workplace fatalities across the country, 12 are in the area of agriculture. And while this is a reduction on the historic average of 20 fatalities a year, it's still 12 too many. Um, it's up to on last year in 2021. Um but, but also it means that with construction at seven fatalities, that agriculture remains the most dangerous workplace in the country by a distance. And this year already, um, unfortunately, one fatality has been reported in the media of a, a far, young farmer in his 20s in County Galway. So the key message here is, you know, I'm going to redouble my efforts. I have my plan in place. and building on and expanding the supports that are in the areas uh, for farmers' mental health. Uh, I'll be rolling out the new cap, which contains a range of new training programmes and investment supports to targeted towards farm safety. And I will also have the results of eight locally led projects that I've been funding that are in progress. Some of them in your area at present; they've been in progress for the last year, which we will bring back a series of learnings from that we'll be able to roll out and put in place. But ultimately, we need farmers here as part of this process. Uh, they're not innocent bystanders; they, they're a key, a key, and active role in this. And we need farm safety to be a first thought in every farmer's head when they pull on their rally boots in the morning and not an afterthought. And that's really, really important. You know, we know that machinery and vehicles are responsible for over half of all fatal incidents. There is rarely a second chance when something goes wrong there, so we can't take a chance. Now is the time to make sure that we fix those things that aren't right. If the handbrake is slipping, if the PTO shaft isn't right, make those changes now. Don't put it at the long finger. And then similarly, livestock cause the highest number of non-fatal incidents Um, With the calving season just about to start now, for those that haven't started already, um, there is a short window of opportunity here for farmers to think about their handling facilities, think about where they're going to be calving their cows and young heifers. Is there anything they can do now? Is there investment they can make? Is there small changes they can make to make their handling facilities that bit safer, to protect themselves? Because the one thing we can be absolutely absolutely sure of is of any family and any individual who's involved in a fatal or uh, non-fatal life-changing farm safety incident None of them ever thought it would happen to them. Um, so just like farmers don't think it will happen to them, neither do the people that it happens to think either. So we need to reduce risk. We need to identify risk. We need to reduce it. And by that way, we will reduce the amount of fatalities there are in farms, and we will make farming a safer enterprise into the future.
3: Minister of State Martin Hayden, we take this opportunity, wishing you and your staff a very happy and prosperous remainder of 2023. And thank you indeed for your valuable time. Thank you very much,
4: Minister. Thank you very much, John. Same to you and your listeners.
3: You're very welcome. We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Mr Liam Leahy, Tillage Business Manager, Dairy Gold Cooperative Society, our sponsor, sponsor of Farm Talk. First of all, Liam, uh, welcome to the programme. Now, it's great to see Dairy Gold putting a 10 conference on the map for January 13th. It's Friday, January 13th. How important do you, as a purchaser, a major purchaser of harvest in the Munster area, put on this event?
5: Thanks, Tom, for having me, firstly. We put huge emphasis on it. You know, in, 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 we, we, used, we have been running this event for the last number of years, but... For The last three years we've had to skip this event for obvious reasons with the pandemic, and we've looked upon it always as our way of communicating with our farmers. Farm, he looks only to say thanks to them in a small little way and give them a day out not just a social day out, not that we have huge emphasis on that, but also an educational day out on what's what's we'll say topical at that given time. And uh, we're very proud of the event and we try and grow it in a very organised and constructive way. And we think we have done that. And it will be a bigger and better event again, please God, for the coming year. Uh, It's actually taking place, John, on the 13th of January. It's important to realise that it's Friday the 13th. And the speakers themselves, the conference itself will be from two until about four. But it's very important to remember that there's a trade exhibition prior to the conference from about 12.45 until 2 o'clock, where all our supporters in the industry, they're the supporters of seeds, fertiliser, other chemical inputs. Uh, There'll be a a different couple of machinery people will be there, and they all like to be seen to be supporting the industry. And it's very much a day that the whole industry comes together just for one day and chat. It's not a commercial day. It's a day about chatting and learning. And we have a after the event is over, we have some very nice food organised and people sit around, around, get together and chat. That would be just after our announcement of our Malting Barley finalist and overall winner of the year. So that gets great traction. And it's nice to see these people being showcased for a few minutes in the year too, because in fairness, they're an example to the industry and they're ambassadors in many respects. So, look, Trane, there's a lot And uh And we're looking forward to it now, hopefully, to look out for us, you know.
3: There are excellent facilities at the venue at Coron uh, Mart from Oik. Confirm for our listeners the venue, the actual venue and its location, please. Mm.
5: Uh, the, uh, the venue is, as we've had it before, it's in Corrin Mart, the event centre in Corrin Mart, just north of uh, Red well known to, I'd say, the nearly all farming community huge facilities there, plenty of parking, good catering facilities, large auditorium. It's it's ideal for these type of events. And Like I said, the fact that we're having trade supports for the day, they'll be coming from 11 o'clock in the morning with putting up their stands. Uh, it's ideal for it because they get room to park, they get room to display their bits and pieces. So, you know, it's hard enough to get those type of events, but it's in the current event centre in my and uh, on the 13th, yeah. But the trade sense, I'm going to be sure that people realise that that's happening from 12.45 on.
3: The Dairy Gold Malting Barley winner, uh, the grower, the Dairy Gold Malting Barley grower of the year winner, will be announced at the Tillage Conference, Corinne from Moy, on Friday 13th of January. But as you always emphasise, in this particular situation, everyone, the finalists, they're all winners. Everyone's a winner because of the great performance they have been responsible for, they've achieved.
5: You could, you could pick any one of those lads and put them in any competition and they'll win us. It. It's, it's, it's decided by small differences. And that even for the for the rest of our growers, these lads, many respects for the next 12 months, they're going to be the ambassadors. And they'll be used in publications. They'll be referred to in publications, uh, not in any bad way or anything, but as for what industry stands for, that's production of excellence. Um, we have an interest in the Molly Company of Ireland. Uh it's a subsidiary of ours actually. And they're the people who produce the product for that and they must be recognized for it. Which invariably ends up with some of the other industries in dairy like IDL, Heineken, uh West Cocktail those type of businesses. So it's 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 a part of a food production chain that never travels any more than seventy or eighty kilometers, maybe a hundred kilometers at most. Uh, has a very low carbon footprint. So there's a lot of positives about it. And we like to promote those on the day. And those growers that we have selected, for this year, they're simply best in class. But the boys behind them, so close behind them, you could pick anyone. They're really, really all good as
1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
2: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
5: Now mind you, John, there's been a very favorable year for Martin Valley production too, but so be it, there's always winners and losers. But this year, we have four regional winners. They're recognized at the moment, and we'll be announcing the overall winner. And Friday, the thirteenth.
3: And could you remind our listeners if you have a theme? Usually your conference has a theme.
5: The theme of our conference this year, again, it's something that we keep uh, in tune with the current, let it be political, let it be environmental, whatever, the, the, whatever we call it, I suppose I'll use the word, is in vogue at the time. And at, the, at this present moment, and for the last number of years, it's all about style, managing our style. So this year, our theme is very simply... Feed ourselves to feed our people. Feed ourselves to feed our people. And we have assembled a number of speakers that we'd like to think are best in class uh, in this field, and asked them to present on it in their own way. We're not leading them; it's a, it, it, they have a free hand within reason of what they speak about. But they're all very good at this job, and I think all. Anyone that's at the meeting on Friday, if you only left with small little nuggets, it will be a lot. Because some of this science and biology that's been spoken about now, we're awfully conscious. There's a lot of legislation being built about cap reform, environmental requirements within it. And we often wonder, do people understand a lot of what they've been asked to achieve? And this is a road that we're trying to go down to explain to people why do you set cover crops? Why do you not plough? Those type of questions. What are the advantages? What are the challenges? So this is the we're going to go down. So we picked three speakers. Very, very appropriate for the day. We have John Geraghty. He's a lecturer in the Southeastern University uh, down in Watford. And he's specialising while he's lecturing in agriculture his specialty is soil biology which he also runs in a private consultancy basis he'll speak basically on what's happening under the crust, under the earth's surface and that whole ecological process that none of us really know an awful lot about but we've got to get some grips with it then Kieran Collins is going to speak very much on the challenges that farms are meeting on a day to day basis as input costs are ragingly high Uh, harvest prices are slipping back a little I'm afraid and he'll be trying to find a sweet spot as I call it between production and input costs while at the same time always focusing on sustainability but not necessarily sustainability to our environment 100% but also sustainability to our farmers because it's important that our farmers continue to survive and then our final speaker is a guest speaker that we've invited in uh, known to known to many, I would suggest probably, especially the the older people. But Jim McCarthy, he's actually a native of East Cork, but he's been most of his life on the continent farming large scales, farming businesses. Not only managing him but partnering him, he's involved in them himself, and he's going to give a very detailed account of how they adapt and try and embrace. A lot of the modern day thinking than technologies to improve style structures, to improve side biology, all in a way to try and mitigate costs and increase output. So look, it, it, there, there'll be three very interesting papers, I, I'd like to think.
3: And on our briefing note, before we began speaking on the briefing note, it's pointed out that uh, Kieran Collins, Kieran Collins has been talking when he's on our programme quite frequently, he's a well-known chocolate tillage specialist and indeed Mr Jim McCarthy, managing partner, that's in Southern Harvest Romanian Holdings and uh, he's had a lot of time on the continent. Can we point out to people that before the conference, could you please remind our listeners about the opportunities to visit trade stands?
5: This is something that we, we put a lot of value on. And we invite all our suppliers to come and share the day with us. Uh, they come from fertilizers, seed suppliers, chemical suppliers, a whole, the whole array of the chain, you could say. And customers are invited and welcome to come from 12.45 on and meet and chat to these people. I want to emphasise this is not a commercial day. This is a day about learning. This is a day about chatting. This is a day about picking up the pieces, little bits and pieces that you might that you mightn't think of on another day because they'll be all there in front of you. And there will be, I suppose, there'll be 25 stands there. And I think that, you know, there'll be something there for everyone we'd like to think. Um, I mean, important questions like where our fertiliser price is going to go. Those people will be there, the real the real people who can answer those questions or try and answer them. So you're getting you're getting very close to the to the top of the ladder we'll say. So, you know, I think there's a lot there for people to come earlier on and just mix with those people. The meeting itself was set at two o'clock. So there'll be plenty of time.
3: Great, great opportunity after the two years of isolation of the pandemic. We turn now to malting barley. Malting barley growing is obviously a very big part of your tillage business, something that you're actually showcasing on the day, as you referred to earlier. <laughs> what criteria, Liam, do you have when you want to select a winner, and the winner, of course, will be announced in the day, and all entrants in the final there, they are all winners. But what would the main criteria be when you judge a person and find out which of the many people would be the actual winner, the actual malting barley grower winner of the year?
5: Yeah. Um, I suppose malting barley has a very defined... Uh, set of standards or parameters that it must be supplied within. So obviously all all the finalists will be within that standard. Let that be protein, let that be bushel um, moisture. So all those uh, will be looked at as individual, individual scores and people will be... It's actually done in a, quite a complicated calculation, but... Um, there will be allowed pints for X, Y, and Z part of the equation. And you'll find, when all that's said and done, that there'll only be a pint or two between the top three or four. And then we may have to look at maybe some other extra features that are happening on farm to try and maybe identify one to stand out a little bit more than the other. That's where the difficulty comes into it. But look, as I said at the start to it, the small measures... That will decide the first and second in this. And in no way, you know, is the winner going to be miles ahead of the second place. It's just small measures. So it's about standards of production of the actual quality they produce, but also the methodology that they use around it. And, the, you know, how they work within the environment, which is very topical nowadays, that will obviously be starting to weigh heavier as, as the years go by now. So, look, that's the, they're the parameters that we work within
3: The new CAP programme has come into effect on the 1st of January, 2023. Regarding the SUD, the European Union's SUD, would you please explain to our listeners, Liam, what exactly those letters SUD stand for and its relationship to the European Union's position on plant protection products Uh, tillage growers themselves feel would be essential and, of course, the impact of the Ukraine. But SUD, would you clarify what exactly
5: that means? I'm delighted you brought that up, actually, John Ho. Uh, SUD sustainable use directive, uh, specifically specifically pointed towards pesticides, I would say, if I can use that one. And within the, the farm-to-fork agenda within the EU, there is now a target set... It's a target. It's not legislation. It's just a target that pesticides should be reduced by 50%. Now, that's a very complicated statement in its own because that doesn't mean that everything we do has to be reduced by 50%. Different pesticides have different, can I use the word, loadings. And some of them are looked upon as more challenging to the environment than others. And that consequently gives them a higher loading. So the overall... Uh, object of the Sustainable Use Directive is to reduce the chemical loading on our environment. Now, if I might just pass a comment on it, it's difficult to see where this 50% came from and I presume in many respects it might only be an ad hoc figure. But at the end of the day it's going to affect production to some degree or other and that now, when I mean, affect production, obviously reduce production. Has It has the capacity to reduce production, particularly in climates like we have in Ireland, these humid, wet climates, which are excellent for production, but they're also excellent for fungal diseases and challenges that we use pesticides to control. But now in light of the Ukraine-Russian conflict, this whole thing has started to take a a different perspective or a new view starting to emerge at European level. And I think it's fair to say that they're, I won't say they're actually rowing back on us, but they're conscious of the overall effect of this. And now they have put out um, a discussion document for all nationalities within the EU to reply to and make their make their comments known. And they will be they will be read and noted in the EU level. But at this uh, at present. Our own Department of Agriculture has put out a consultation document, and I think it's up to every grower and business, including ourselves, to reply to this and to make our opinion felt in no small way as to why it should or it shouldn't or what alternatives may be may be considered as a means of trying to achieve and protect our environment. But at the same time always conscious that we must feed our population as well. So it's it's, it's, it's a very uh, conflicting document, especially in today's environment. Uh, so sustainable use directive is a much more complicated thing than just getting rid of 50% of our pesticides. Uh, and I think that, in fairness, I think that the legislators realise that too, and they're open to debate and looking for debate, actually. So I think, again, we will be announcing a website the meet, at the meeting that farmers and industry alike should reply to and should communicate with. And the thing about that is the 20th of January is the final date for that. So it's quite urgent that people do this and make their contribution for good and for bad. And have their say, they're entitled to it, and it will matter. So that's what sustainability is about, John. I think that this technology, if we're going to be forced to reduce pesticides... We've got to be given some other armory, or some other string to our bowl to continue to produce food. Other crops profiling at your very important event. Malting barley, malting barley is, is just one is one of our uh, products. We of course we have a full glossary of uh, tillage products, and we will be covering them all in the day in some form or manner. Uh, one of one of the crops that we put a lot of time into in the last number of years is protein crops, protein beans, and promoting the whole idea of growing, home-growing protein. And very successfully, made because we've got great support from our growers for beans over the last number of years, and we handle a very significant amount of them now, and can and will handle more. And this is displacing soya which obviously is imported from North and South America, uh, pr- principally, many, many miles away. But we can produce protein here at home. Very, 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 very similar in quality, Does exactly the same job and it has a very positive carbon footprint. Um, In fairness, so around the Department of Agriculture, they're supporting the crop with very, very welcoming and rewarding subsidies. And I think it will be a crop that will have to be looked at for the coming year. Again, it has no nitrogen as an input, so it makes it more attractive. But that's a crop that we're putting a lot of time and work into because we, we use. We're in the foster position in World that nearly everything we buy is used within our within our own industry. Let that be milling, let that be malting, and the same goes for the beans. We use all the beans we buy in our milling industry in Dumbarton, and we'd like to get more of them. So uh, we welcome any uh, any growers for new contracts. Uh, wheat, oats. Rye is a new crop that we're dealing with now for the last couple of years, growing steadily again. I would say probably in its infancy a little bit yet, but looking good, as we'll say. One of our speakers is going to mention that at the meeting because he had found a very, very important part of his rotation. Uh, They'll be the the main cereal crops, I suppose, John, that we'll be uh, focusing on.
3: That sounds fine. Well, thank you very much indeed for all of that information and your valuable time. Mr. Liam Leahy, the Tillage Business Manager for Dairy Gold a Cooperative Society, our sponsor, please remind our listeners of this very important event upcoming the date, venue, and time. And will registration be necessary?
5: Everyone is welcome. Then. We're not going to. There's no registration. Everyone is welcome from all walks of life. They're down there. So they have to be tillage farmers, there people at some livestock farmers that'd like to attend the event. Please come along. Please come along. Everyone's welcome. It's a dairy gold event. Um, the trade stands will be available from twelve forty-five on, and they'll be there. Someone will be right there up to five o'clock in the evening. Uh, we will have refreshments from twelve o'clock, from twelve o'clock on. Uh, for those that come early prior to the meeting and uh, they can, for a better word, mose around the stands and chat to people, uh, get a cup of coffee, get some light food uh, and then attend the meeting. The meeting itself will start at approximately 2, 215 uh with the three speakers. I think we may have some, I, I'm quite sure we will have some Senior speakers from the day to go, senior management, there on the day as well. Um, and it will it will finish in the evening at approximately 4 o'clock. Again, we will have quite, uh, we'll have a lot of food, uh, savouries available after us for people. Because we'd like them to mix around, chat with people that they might have met for a couple of years. Because at events like this, they meet them. So, look, while it is absolutely a daily educational event. It's also a social event and we want people to come and enjoy it. And you know, it's been three years since we've had a meeting. But most people are entitled to get back together and chat again. We look forward to it. That's next Friday that's Friday the thirteenth. We'll always remember Friday the thirteenth. The trade stands say just to put, put put right dates or right times on it, trade stands from one to two, the meeting from two to four. So I'd advise everyone to try and make the meeting, if they could, for one o'clock. Make a, make a day out of it.
3: That sounds fine. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Liam Leahy, Tillage Business Manager, Dairy Gold Corporate Society, our sponsor. Thank you, Liam, very much indeed. Thanks for being Liam.
5: Thanks for having me, John.
3: You're very welcome. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Dr Anne Finnegan policy analyst, Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Anne, welcome to the programme. Now, in the journal this week, you point out some of the main changes which will be affecting farmers this year, 2023. It's the new cap, and people are a little bit unclear still about how the various measures will affect their enterprise. Some of the main changes.
6: Thanks, John. I suppose, look, we're starting... We're coming into 2023. um, On the back of what has been, you know a fairly historic year for farmers in terms of farm policy changes. And you rightly point to the new cap, which is, um, you know, some of my colleagues have spoke to this week and, and we have a series of um, roadshows around the country um Finalising in the coming weeks, uh, discussing the the new cap and what that means for farmers and the various enterprises, and add into that, you know, our own domestic um, policy that's been introduced um, in the form of the um, the sector emissions ceilings. Um, which, uh, which are part of, uh, and, and the recently announced climate action plan, which falls from that. So, I mean, one would have thought that uh, that that it was a pretty historic year in terms of the change that this pol- the, the policy is going to bring about in farming. But I suppose as I look forward to 2023, there's an awful lot more in the mix. Um, both domestically and at a European level, um, policy that's lining up, let's say, um, solve it on the runway, uh, solve it preparing to to come onto the runway, that um, I suppose farmers probably at this stage need to to start um, to, to get some insight into or get their head around. I suppose I started, John, with the sector emissions targets again as the year wrapped up. We were very much discussing this before Christmas because the government had announced their climate action plan um, but i suppose you know the we, we're going to round up almost the first year of these um come the end of june and annually the um the environmental protection agency um Published the um, the greenhouse gas emissions inventory for the country. So this is basically the the volume of emissions that Ireland has produced, and from the various and from what what sources it has produced that. Um, and I thought it was interesting in the Climate Change Advisory Council's um, annual report this year. They kind of sounded a warning, I thought, to the agriculture sector. Um, you know, by saying that that really, if the sector wanted to avoid you know the necessity for actions that would reduce food production in the country they need to rapidly deploy measures um, at an ambitious and I think they, the words they used were at the most ambitious scale um, to reduce emissions and I suppose the other caution that they have sounded and, and I suppose many others have as well particularly from the environmental NGOs um, is that, that the sectoral targets as they stand at the moment don't actually add up to a 51% reduction in emissions by 2030. They currently only add up to 42% not because the land use sector and um, so forestry um, and re-wetting those targets haven't been set yet but this is certainly something that appears to be of concern for the Climate Change Advisory Council. So I think when we come to the publication of that emissions inventory again in June I think we're going to be talking again about where the sector is at and, and the expectation is that agricultural emissions will be down um, particularly because of the, the lower fertiliser use this year um, given, given where prices have been. Uh, but I think it's going to start the debate again and I think it's one that we 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 certainly need to be uh, cognizant of. Um, I wrote um, again in in early December a kind of an explanatory piece um, about what I think is again a a very major piece of legislation um, that was published in June um, in the EU in June of 2022 and this is the EU nature restoration law. And again nature has been very much in the headlines um coming into Christmas as um you know the, the global summit the first global summit on nature was held um with nations um agreeing targets to, to restore nature globally. Um, so at the EU level, uh, you know, unsurprisingly, um, they ha- they're somewhere further down the road than lots of other countries. What has been proposed in this regulation is a set of legally binding targets for all sea and land ecosystems to restore those e- 20% of those ecosystems um, by 2030 and all ecosystems by 2050.
3: Wonderful, Anne. And just to refer our listeners to the Irish Farmers Journal, edition Saturday 7th of January, you have there some very important articles, anything that helps the farmers be less confused, because from January 1st, the new cap is coming into effect and people need to know where they stand. Anne, thank you very much indeed, Dr Anne Finnegan, policy analyst, Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you very much indeed. Cheers, John. That's the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to our contributors, Barry O'Mahony, ninety six one three fm News Editor, Marie Tug, ninety six one three fm News Reporter, and as well as contributing to the programme, is also responsible for creating the Farm Talk programme podcasts for the internet. Laura Woods, Carberry Region Mocra Firma Radio Officer, for her fortnightly reports of Mocra activities. But of course, a very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in.